Welcome to the morning community of Northridge Vineyard. Our deepest desire is that you will encounter Jesus as you listen in to our morning gathering. If you'd like to find out more about us, check out our website, northridge.org.au forward slash mornings. Well, good morning. If you haven't quite picked up, we are in the middle of a series at the moment on things we don't talk about at church, which is kind of paradoxical as a, as a, as a title for a series. <clears throat> and, um, you know, I was just so um, blessed um, last week by Kimmy speaking on sex, and Bonnie kicked us off on, on shame. But um, I just wanted to honour you, Kim. You did a fantastic job last week. And um, so many... Well, I'm glad you agree with me. That's, um, and, you know, one of the things um, that as we talk through this series um, I'm aware of is that it can be quite humbling. It can be quite a humbling thing to be, um, uh, you know, confronted with, with stuff that there's a good reason perhaps why we don't talk about them very much. And so my prayer for all of us, including myself this morning, is a spirit of humility, you know, that we'd be able to come and talk about these things and think about some of the stuff we're going to look at, going, okay, all right, I've got something to learn. You know, and, um, and I certainly have lots to learn. And I, I, I'm sure we all have stuff to learn this morning. So, um, so will, you, will you join me in that? Do you, will you share in my prayer in that, that, that we, would, we would actually all have something this morning? Because um, then I think... The Spirit loves to come and do His work. He loves to come into a place where hearts are humble, where we're going, okay, we probably don't have this all figured out. We need you, Lord. So, amen? We need you, Lord. Yeah? Okay, good. You're on the same page as me. So this morning, we're going to look um, at the topic of addictions. And, um, you know, that there's, again, a good reason why we don't like talking about some of the things in this series. We don't really like talking about addictions. A friend of mine recently, um, he is, has worked as a part-time music teacher, was telling me that he went to uh, do a music lesson at a house. This um, young girl, he was teaching there with her, with her family, and he had his cup of coffee with him. And as he sat down to begin the lesson, uh, she, this little girl turned to him and said, I know what addiction means. And he kind of took his cup of coffee and took another sip and was like, good for you. You know, like, uh, suddenly there was this, this shame that came on him and he thought, oh no, I've been outed. And, um, you know, there is a lot of shame around, in our culture, around addictions. There's, a, there's often uh, just stuff we just don't like to talk to. And sadly... Let's be honest, as a church, we haven't exactly um, done a great job of that. We've often contributed. Uh, when I say as a church, I don't mean specifically us, but church generally, as Christians, we haven't done often what we should have done, which is what Jesus did, was to say, no, come on, let's have the conversation. It's okay, you can, you can bring that stuff here. We can talk about that. There's hope. Um, and so that's on our heart. As we look at this topic, um, we're not, I'm not going to do it all today, but as we kind of open up this topic, that we would break some of that down. Um, you know, because addiction is a funny thing. It's one of those words, it's one of those concepts, I think, that's changing all the time. It's like the goalposts are changing. What do we even mean? 
I love coffee. I'm not sure if I'm addicted to coffee. Am I addicted to coffee, Bonnie? Tell me. You know, like, like am, I, am, am I addicted to something just because I really enjoy it and I don't like the idea of not having it? Can I, can I ask you that question this morning? Are there things that you think of in your life? You're like, am I? I really like that. And if I took it away, ooh, does that, does that mean maybe there's an addiction there? Or is it just a, a habit? And is there much of a difference? Well, look, when I'm talking about addiction this morning, I, I want to say, look, I'm going to kind of use this definition. An addiction is when we're compelled to do something to use a substance or to behave in a certain way in order to regulate how we feel. So in order for us to feel better or, you know, to not do something so we don't feel bad. And, and I think there is a sense in when, when our freedom is compromised in some way. Yeah? So that's, that's what I'm talking about. And, and one of the reasons... Um, I believe it's so important is because as Christians, we actually have a wonderful message. We have a beautiful message for the world. But unless we actually are okay talking with people, and that doesn't just mean talking about their issues. <laughs> it means talking about ours, right? It means as a community going, okay, there's stuff that we need to talk through. And I kind of feel a bit ashamed, but if we don't talk about it, then how will they hear the message? How will they hear the message, the beautiful message? Now, can I just start by... Well, I've started already. Uh, let me just go on and say, I really want to acknowledge that um, we have a number of, of wonderful mental health professionals here and in, in our in our region, in our culture, um, and, and they've trained for many years, and they particularly train in areas around addiction, um, and, and I don't want to minimize that in any way this morning by talking about addiction and talking about what Jesus speaks into for all of us, this area. I'm not trained as a health professional. I have training in psychology and the theology. Um, I have some personal experience in overcoming addictive uh, things and addiction in my own life. Um, I'm not going to regale you with all those stories this morning. You'll be pleased to hear. Um, but I, I'm not a health professional. Um, and I want to encourage you that, well, quite often when people start to actually deal with addictions, it's because they and the people around them have started to go, there's a serious problem here. And often it's got really bad before anyone kind of really says something. So it might be that it's causing problems in, you know, in school and work, depending on what stage of life you're at. Um, you might even be stealing or, or um, sneaking things. Um, it's important if, you know, if it's causing issues with your relationships around you that you go and seek some professional help. So let me just start by saying that um, I would encourage you to seek professional health, uh, help with... Um, with mental health professionals. But that said, you see, our vision, and let me say, and that, our vision as a church, you may recall, we spoke a bit about it at the end of last year, is based around Isaiah 61. And on the next slide, we'll just read it very briefly. It says, 
The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. It goes on, it says, He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. So as a community, we really felt like that was something that the Lord was putting on our heart for what we would be about. And we don't want to leave the conversation around freedom for captives just to the health professionals. We don't want that. We want that conversation to happen, but it needs to happen long before. It needs to happen amongst us, just as everyday ordinary people, with all our ups and downs. And, and, and that's, I guess that's on my heart this morning, that we should talk about it. And if you don't hear anything else this morning that I say, please will you hear this? In Jesus, there is hope for addiction. Jesus offers us a relationship that brings hope. That's something I'd like you to go away with today. But we're going to drill down into that. So will you open your Bibles with me? Let's look at John 8. Because I can share all of my wisdom, limited wisdom on this, but the Word of God, it pierces into the heart. And that's what we, that's what we stand on this morning, isn't it? This is the thing that brings change. So John 8 Um, We're going to read from verse 30. I've got it up on the screen. Um, John 8, verse 30. Which means I probably don't need... Oh, you know what? And what we're going to do is... We're not going to read the whole lot in one. I'm going to be... I'm sorry if you find this annoying. I'm going to read like a phrase and then speak about it and then carry on, okay? Because I'd like us to just chew on this a bit together. Okay. Um, we've got this slightly quirky thing with this passage where, honestly, I really feel like the verse from the section before kind of leads us into this next section. So we're going to read even just this, this first part here. It says, even as he spoke. So Jesus is speaking <clears throat> to his followers, to his crowds, um, in particular those who he would call his disciples. And, as, and he's going through a number of quite contentious statements. In fact, this... This whole section at the end of John 8 ends up with them trying to stone him. So I'm hoping that doesn't happen here this morning. Please put the stones away. okay? Because um, a lot of what he says is quite offensive. Um, and, and here we, we pick up the story at this point. He says, even as he spoke, many believed in him. So that sounds good. yeah. Many believed in him. To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said... If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now let me just stop here. What we often are tempted to think when we read these words, and this is a really famous verse. Many of you will have read this, seen it on a bumper sticker on the back of a car, or, you know, it's one of those sorts of verses that we may be quite familiar with, but often we're tempted to understand what Jesus means in terms of um, a kind of enlightenment experience. 
a kind of, you know, you'll know the truth, man. Like, wow. Like, just... It, there'd just be this sort of like vague intellectual freedom, maybe a kind of freedom from, from a sort of set of rules in life. You know, just, I, I, was, I don't know why, but I'm going to the kind of hippie kind of thing, right, for some reason. But honestly, I think, if you, if, for those of you who know your history, we're living in a period of time that has shaped the way that we view these words completely differently to the way that Jesus' hearers would have heard them. We're living post enlightenment. So for us, when we think about this, truth and freedom, we think about freedom usually from thinking of the dark ages, from thinking that everything is like spiritual magic because we've got the knowledge now. And so the truth will set you free. There'll be a new kind of like just intellectual freedom, a new um, level of living in life. Have I got any sci-fi fans in the room today? Yeah, you, you, you will hear this. Not many, okay. I'm just, so just you and me, Mon, a couple of more. <clears throat> Thank you, okay. <clears throat> um, this comes through in sci-fi things all the time. You know, you always hear about these, I don't know, ancients or people, you know, there's usually in, this, in these sci-fi stories, there's some group of people who kind of got it right and they, they just had science down-packed and that was all the answers and there was this sort of freedom in their thinking. That's not what Jesus is talking about. And actually, that's quite hard to get out of our heads because we were born into this world and we're saturated in this culture. So bear with me. Let's let's kind of come to this and go, okay, so what is he talking about? Let's read on. It says here, They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Does anyone else think that's a bit of an odd response? He says, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And they say, we're Abraham's descendants. It's a bit of a, kind of like, where are they going? Because in other words, they're saying, well, look, we're sons of Abraham. The Jewish, the essence of being Jewish for them was about being Abraham's children And they were the ones who had been set free from slavery out of Egypt. So their very identity is, in their minds, they are the ones who not only received the law, but they're the ones who ultimately were freed. And so for them, when Jesus says, you'll be set free. Now, can I just clarify? The the, the Greek here is is, is really around this word liberated, delivered. So it's very, very strong on set free from slavery, which is why they immediately go to, we've never been slaves of anyone. Okay? So they know what he's talking about. And it gives us a bit of an insight into that. In fact, they hear from him the story that they're hearing, if you like to use a phrase from Brene Brown. The story that they're hearing is, you're not actually free men. You're slaves. And you need to be released from slavery. And so they're insulted. They're like, how dare you say that? This is who we are. And so Jesus replies, let's move on to the next slide. He says, very truly. Now that's like emphatically. When Jesus says very truly, he's saying this is a non-negotiable, guys. Very truly I say to you, 
everyone who sins is a slave to sin. So in other words, what he's saying is, your sin is evidence that you're in slavery. If you struggle with an addiction, or you've cared for someone with an addiction, you probably won't have too hard a time making this connection. Because you know what addiction looks like. It looks and feels like prison. It feels like you're trapped. It feels like there's no way out. And Jesus highlights this, but I don't want us to stop there, because actually he leads us on to a deeper truth. And this is something really foundational. And it's actually really key for change in addiction. And this is that, that our behavior flows from our identity. What we do comes from who we are. Our sin, our weaknesses, our habits, they may feel like external stuff, but actually they're about what's going on inwardly. James 4.1, he says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from the desires that battle within you? So who you are flows into what you do. Now, how is this any different from what we're taught in the world? How is that any different? Well, the world says that what you do in life and the choices that you make and the bad ones, the good ones that you make and the bad ones that you keep making, the addictions you have, they are really who you are. That's what the world says. I think if we go on to the next slide and just go one in. That's it. So that's what the world says, that your behavior defines your identity. Okay? And, and people respond out of, often out of two ways. Uh, if if, particularly, if, uh, can I say, some of the older generation, or if you've been in church like I have for a long time, this is usually what happens, that you feel like you need to make sure you look good on the outside. So you believe this, that your behavior defines who you are. And so you think, okay, I need to project an image here of looking good. I used to have a boss that used to come around at the desk, not here, um, and, and say, are you winning? Are you winning? I just hated that. Um, because, and I, all it made me feel was, oh yeah, yeah, I'm winning, I'm winning. I couldn't go, actually, no. Life is falling apart. No. Um, and so we feel this. We have to hide the things that we do because we need to project this image of looking good. And in so doing, we, must, we believe that we actually have to hide who we are because we think it's the same thing. All right? And what that does is it brings shame upon shame. And people go through their whole lives living under that shame. So that's one response. Another one that I'm seeing more and more, I must say, amongst some of our younger folk is this. The same belief that what I do defines who I am. 
But instead of hiding it, it's like there's the wonderful phrase, you do you. Has anyone heard that one? No? Okay, well, we need to get more in touch with youth culture, people. <laughs> you do you, okay, is a common phrase amongst our young people at the moment. They love it. But it's, fan- it's fantastic because it's terrible grammar for those grammar, you know, buffs out there. It's terrible grammar because you know what it is? It's you do you. Doing is an action word. You is a being word. So what it's saying is, this is exactly right. What you do is who you are. You do you. And so, if people don't like what you do, well, that means they can't love who you are, can they? Because what I do, the choices I make, how I live my life, that's who I am. If you don't like what I do, you obviously don't love me and I'm not going to listen to you. Because they're the same thing, aren't they? Jesus offers us a better way. And it's founded in this truth. We go on to the next one. That our identity flows, sorry, our behavior flows from identity. Your behavior isn't who you are, it flows from who you are. So, where does that leave us? Okay, that's great. Let's get that truth, that foundational truth sorted. But where does that leave us? Let's move on to the next part of the passage. Um, yeah, don't, stay, where, stay where the slides are, Keith. Thank you. You may just need to look at your Bible again here. So John 8, we're going to pick it up again. I think we're picking up here. This is verse 35. Jesus says, Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So let's just think about what he's saying. He's got two contrasting identities here. He's got a slave. They're not a permanent member of the family. They don't remain. The literal Greek is they don't remain. All right? They live, they, they live in the house, but they're not in the family photo. They don't eat the family table. They don't get any of the inheritance. So in this culture, the slave wasn't just like, I'm here to do some cleaning and then I'm gone. They're living in the house, but not in the inner part, in the slave quarters. They're with the family, but they're not part of the family. <clears throat> They can see the master, but they don't have access to the father. And a place in the family in in Jesus' culture was everything. Everything about that culture was in family. If you didn't have a place in the family, you didn't have a hope. However, the son is a permanent member. He remains in the family, whatever happens. think about the story of the prodigal son. Doesn't change the fact that he's a son. No matter what happens, he's the inheritor, he has access to the father, he has the authority. Now the Jews, we just read before, they're like, well, we are the sons of Abraham. They thought they had a permanent place in the family. But Jesus is basically saying to them, 
to them, because you sin, it's evidence that you aren't sons. You're slaves. And there's only one who can make you children of God. There's only one, and it's not Abraham. He ends this passage, this chapter, by saying, Before Abraham was, I am. That's when they decided to stone him. So that's got to be a key one, right? When we follow Jesus, he gives us a new identity. If we just jump through to the end, there we are. We become children of God, permanent members in the family, with access to the Father. And you know what? This doesn't sound on, on face value like it's going to change lives. But it's absolutely foundational when we are talking about how does our behavior change, whether you have an addiction or whether you're just struggling to live the way that you know God's calling you to, call, to live. So, what do we do with that? Can I just, I want to bring out three things before we pray, to get, pray together. Firstly, what does this mean? It means, one, that we have hope. We have hope. Addictions have a way of shaping how we, what we believe about ourselves. You know, they, they have a way of reinforcing this belief that this is who you are and you'll never change. That's what happens. And particularly when you're going back again and again and again. And Jesus offers us a relationship that actually says, no, that's a lie. There is hope for you. Even if you've prayed every day for breakthrough in your thinking or in your actions, don't give up hope. Because this is true, that Jesus has transformed something on the very core of who you are. That has already changed. So it's just a process of working that out into our behavior. Now, that's, I don't want to say just in the sense of that's easy. I want to say just in the sense of the work has been done. The real work has been done. There is hope. The second thing I want to say is, because we now have this new identity, we have access to the Father. Um, addictions have a number of layers that often, I, I, I'd like to call them hooks, but th that where we need to see healing in. And many of you know this. We hear this more and more about this in our culture, or some of them. You know, addictions form biological, physiological hooks whether it be through substances that we, we need again and again, or whether it's just through pathways in our, in our um, you know, neurological pathways that get formed that need healing. They have um, a spiritual impact in us where we, we can see that there are spiritual bonds that form that need to be broken for that healing to take place. And addictions also often have a hook that is based in emotional hurt or abuse. Belief about ourselves forms, and, and addictions feed off these things. 
and reinforce these beliefs about ourselves that, that often are a result of past hurts or, or harmful relationships. And so there are multiple layers that need to be worked through in terms of healing to become free from addictions. So what does it look like to find healing in those things? It's actually kind of simple, but hard at the same time. It means going with Jesus to the Father and receiving his healing into every part that needs healed. This is what we do on Set Free. This is why we do Set Free. It's because we know that it's the Father who brings healing. And Jesus, as a son, comes with us and says, together we have access to the Father, we can receive healing. So if, if you want more freedom in your life, can I invite you to sign up for the next Set Free course? Now, I would also encourage, I'm going to say a few different things, but that's just one of the things. It's not a magic bullet. The Father is the one where we find answers. But, it, it, but I, can, I just recommend the Set Free course to you. Um, the third thing I want to say is, as with this new identity, we now have a family. Um, it won't be any coincidence that this last two weeks, we've had some drama in our house, as I've been thinking about this talk. Um, and the drama has really been about uh, a very addictive computer game that, um, that my young boys and me have been playing together. <clears throat> and it's got harder and harder to stop playing. Now, isn't that funny? I'm speaking on addictions, and suddenly, here we are playing a computer game. I haven't played a computer game like, like that for about 10 years, and it's like, I don't want to stop playing this. I quite like it. Bonnie said to me, I think there may be a bit of a problem here. <laughs> We're getting more and more arguments coming, and the younger ones in our family, they're the more vocal, but I'm feeling it too. I can feel in my heart, I don't really want to stop. I quite like this. And so we made the decision last night. That's it. Cut it off. And there was, there's been a lot of pain and tears. I won't say who from. <laughs> but you know, throughout this process, one of the things that I've been reminded of is coming and sitting down and talking, just in this case with our children, and saying, you know what? This is hard, isn't it? It's hard to put down. It's actually kind of hard to resist this. What are we going to do about that? And not going, you should be ashamed of yourself that you can't do this. To say, actually, you know what? I'm finding this kind of hard too. How can we help each other in this? Can you tell me, was it tempting today to, to not do that thing? And when you lied about that, what was going on for you in that? You know? Can we, let's talk through forgiveness. Let's talk about how, how we protect this relationship. We have to have these sorts of conversations, not just with children if you're a parent, but with each other. To say, you know what? We're all in this boat together, whether it looks like an addiction or whether it's just a draw towards sin. Let's have that conversation because one of the wonderful things about having a new identity in Christ is we get a family 
that have all come from slavery into sonship, that are now sons and daughters of the king, but we all came from the same place. Um, let me encourage you there is, if you haven't heard about it, we're doing a workshop with Colette Smart very soon on raising resilient kids in a digital age. It'd be great to get along to that if, you, if you're a parent and you're thinking, ah, yeah, I need to work on that with my, with my children. But also let me say, <clears throat> I think the key to so much of this stuff in the church, guys, is that we find we find a way to get out of the isolation. It's so easy when we're isolated to get caught. But when we choose to come alongside a trusted friend or even, you know, go and find a counsellor, go find, talk to your doctor, have the conversation and say, you know what, I can't do this on my own. I need to talk about this with someone. Let me encourage you. That is where things start to change. So I'd like to finish there, and we're going to spend a bit of time just in, in ministry together. And you know what? Um, we're going to create some space to come to the Father. That's what we're about. So will you stand with me? Will you just allow the blood to <laughs> come back to your head? I'm going to ask the band to just come and stand here and... Um, because we'd love to just make you guys comfortable. And let's invite his presence here now. So Father, we thank you for your presence here by your Holy Spirit. Lord, I am very aware there is so much more to say. But your spirit is speaking into our hearts. So will you come and say the things that you need to say now? Thank you. Now, can I encourage you? When, in a moment, I, I feel like the Lord's putting some things on my heart that we're good to pray into. But I want to encourage you to push through the lie that there, there is shame in this. One of the things that we love to do as a church is to, to come forward and to receive prayer, to head to the side and receive prayer, to turn to people and say, will you pray for me? And, and you're great at this, guys. And one of the wonderful things about that <clears throat> practice is it breaks the shame down actively destroys the barriers of shame that come up. Last week, you know, Kimmy shared beautifully, and the Lord started to speak to me about things that I needed prayer for, and so I came forward for prayer. You know, and, and I'm not, I didn't do that so I could tell you, but I want to tell you because I want you to know that we're all in this together. So can I encourage you, don't let shame get in the way. It's a lie. If you would like to have someone pray and speak hope into your situation today, 
I'd love us to pray for you. I'd love to invite you forward for some prayer. Maybe you feel like things will never change. And you just need to know hope in that situation. Perhaps you're caring for someone who has an addiction and you just need to know, is there any hope here? I want to invite you to come and come forward and receive some prayer. But we're just going to wait a little bit on the Lord. We invite your holy presence, Lord. Come by your spirit. Let's just receive from him. Let's open our hearts to him. He loves to be here. He loves resting in this place. Thank you, Lord. Come and do your work. And often when the Spirit starts to move, it feels like a bit of a wave of His presence, and then it goes. Can I encourage you to hang in there? Because there's another one, and another one. So we're going to wait for your presence, Lord. So guys, we're just going to hang in this place for a while. We feel like the Lord's going to just point out a few other things that he wants to do and for us to respond to. So for now, we're just going to invite you. If you'd like to come up for prayer, do come on up. Um, let's just hold there. We, we're just going to wait a little bit before we come and pray for folk. Also just got this sense. Um, for some of you, you, just, you know there's something that you keep going to. And it doesn't feel like a big deal right now but you're just beginning to notice that this is really hard to stop and um, maybe it's starting to erode some relationships and can I encourage you just bring it to the Father so if, if you know that you just need to bring something to the Father this morning and just say Lord I'm, here I am I, just, I need to receive your healing will you come come and get some prayer continue to receive from him if we can have a few folk to come and pray that would be wonderful so if you're part of Northridge I'd love to invite you to come and just stand with some of these folks and to pray and what we're going to do is we're just going to create an opportunity for them to encounter the Father that's all we're doing
We're not fixing problems as we pray for people. We're just going to facilitate coming to the Father. Because He's the one who fixes things. He's the one with the answers. Thank you, Lord. Some of you know that there is a conversation you need to have. Um, maybe with a loved one or with a friend. You've been putting it off for a long time. I just sense the Lord saying, that is the key. we're going to just going to ask the band just to sing a song over us if you would like to join in you feel free but if you'd like to just let that be sung over you this morning as a way of being ministered to can I encourage you just to allow that